had a few. God, God, sometimes I get into a meeting and I find with God that he starts talking to me uh, and then doesn't shut up. <laughs> like he just, you know, and I'm like, oh, hang on, I need a pen. So um, I nicked a piece of paper out of Brian's pad whilst he wasn't looking. And um, <laughs> it's only one sheet, Brian. I'll let, I'll let you have a, I'll pay you back for it. <laughs> um, I, I, just a few people, if this is all right uh, with you, there's just a, a few words that I wanted to bring. Eddie, I wanted to say for you, um, had this word just about clarity. And I know through some of the conversations we've had recently, but just clarity. And what I saw was like a clear blue sky. And, but also the, the, the brightness of the, of the midday sun. And it was just glorious. Because there's a glory in the clarity that God's bringing to you. That's good. All right? Just receive that. Yeah. Amen. That's good. Uh, where's Joel? He sat down there. Yeah, Joel. Yeah, it was really good today. Bless you for that, mate. And uh, I, I felt like it was a new day. Um, and some, uh, what God was saying was that God was unpacking. Um, and I'm not sure what he was unpacking, but he was just unpacking things in, in your life. It was like uh, uh, things that he was, that he was uh, bringing, they're new. They're new things that he was unpacking in your life. And uh, also this, there's something about, uh, I felt God was saying about the strength of your voice. That God, not just, I don't just mean in singing, you've got a great, strong voice. But God's saying, that voice needs to be heard more. That voice needs to be heard more. Okay, I'm not sure what that might mean, or what that looks like, but it just needs to be heard more. Okay, God will make that clear to you, I'm sure. Um, Mike, I saw Mr. Cox this morning. I haven't seen Mike for a bit while. He's fallen asleep. I'm going to give him a nudge, uh, Carla, for maybe. Wake up, Mike. Hello, mate. How are you doing? You all right? Good. I just wanted to bring a word to you. <laughs> and I felt God was saying that he's breaking off and he's breaking in. And what I saw with that was like that there's stuff that he's breaking off of your life. Um, and that just there's still stuff to do with the, uh, you know, the old, the baggage that we all carry around with us. God, God loves breaking stuff off of us. And, um, but he's also breaking in because... You know, I felt like you're a guy with a big heart, and God's going to fill that heart with more of his love, right? He's breaking in. It's really good to see you as well. Bless you, mate. Um, That's all right. Okay, that'll do. (laughs) Right, yeah. No, I haven't preached the word yet. Hang on. We're getting to that. We're getting to that. (laughs) Wait for it. You can't go until I let you go, Brian. I should keep you behind like a naughty school child. <laughs> um, well, last time round, um, which wasn't that long ago, <laughs> I, I brought quite a challenging word. And um, it's interesting. Um, I've had uh, really good sort of uh, feedback to that. Quite a bit of banter, of course, which is what I expect from you lot. Um, <laughs> Um, and, and the question, and uh, a lot of the recurring question is really about, well, how do we respond? <laughs> Which was John's word to us today about making a response. 
how do we, what do we, what do we do, in a sense? And for, for those of you who weren't here, it was a, it was a, a challenging word about how, how we need to build strong and meaningful relationships uh, about church being a community. And um, one of the things about, uh, about that is that actually, as I've pondered it, as I've thought, I thought, well, well, how do we respond? How do we go about building a church and building a community? Um, and I think that the, the, my answer to that is, uh, and I don't want to sound, it to sound like a kind of cop-out, but it's, but it's simply this. You have to work it out. <laughs> you have to work it out. See, if it is not the job of leadership, I, I don't believe, to set out a prescriptive course of Christianity. I don't think that's what it is at all. The job of leadership is to inspire you to live a spirit-filled life for God wholeheartedly. That, that is the job. And, and to challenge you, to challenge the way you think and how you live. And to say, come on, let's, let's pursue God. Because actually, your life will look different to mine and will look different to the person sitting next to you. A lot depends on your personal circumstances, for one thing. So what suits one doesn't suit another in terms of what you can accomplish or even what God is asking of you to do. Christianity is not a one-size-fits-all. See, the religious mindset is always looking for A, B, C. I do this, I do this, and I do this. And, and it just, God constantly, it's like a slippery bar of soap. <laughs> I try and get hold of it, and I think I've got hold of it, and it's gone. I think, no, oh, I thought I'd work this Christianity thing out, and it changed. Because God, I find, is constantly, he's in one sense unchanging, and yet he's always changing everything. <laughs> it's so frustrating. Does no one else get frustrated? I'm going to read a quote to you about community because I think this is helpful for us, okay? The person who loves their dream of community will destroy community. Even if their intentions are ever so earnest. But the person who loves those around them will create community. This is a word spoken by... um, uh, a German man, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Some of you will know him. Yeah. Good guy. Spiritful man. And uh, I'm just going to read those to you again because I think this is, we need to hear this word and digest it. And we're going to unpack it a little bit um, today. The person who loves their dream of community will destroy community, even if their intentions are ever so earnest. But the person who loves those around them will create community. See, it's not about, if we love an ideal, if we pursue an ideal, uh, then we elevate that to being the, the thing that we pursue rather than loving people. What I discovered is this, um, is that if we love an ideal, we're going to have a problem because people aren't ideal. <laughs> okay? I don't know if you've, you've noticed that. But sometimes I come across someone and I think, well, you don't really fit. 
you don't meet my ideals, my expectations, or whatever it is. But, but somehow, because of the faults and the failures and the failings in human beings, we constantly look and get disappointed because we have an ideal that we are pushing for, and we're going to build this thing over here, and you are frustrating my dream. That's the problem. And so if we try to focus on building a community and we have an ideal of set before us of what it is that we are trying to ch- achieve and other people frustrate that, then, then we're going to uh, uh, air that frustration. We're going to kill our dream. And actually, the way in which we create it is actually to love the people around us. Uh, that sounds like... Um, Perhaps sounds oversimplistic, but uh, it's true. <laughs> it's just true. It's about how we love one another. Um, in my, uh, I was looking at my spirit-filled uh, life Bible, and I was looking at Acts chapter two because I was thinking they did. They, they they somehow got a community going. They built you know the, the church in its embryonic form, you know, uh, sharing all things in common and all this sort of stuff. And the Spirit-Filled Life Bible just had this really helpful comment um, about, uh, it just said, forced community is communism. <laughs> forced community is com- Because, again, you see, if we sort of think, oh, well, there's the model. That's, oh, we need to do this. I, I want to say, I think that what it is, is that they got filled with the Spirit, they got filled with the love of God, and it transformed everything. And really, there's no greater method than that. It's not about, you see, setting out, uh, now hear me in this, because I'm a believer in one sense in programs, but it's not about setting out a program of, well, if we do X, Y, and Z, we will build a community. If we just have, uh, you know, these kinds of groups and we set up this sort of structure in church life, it will lead us miraculously into community. No, it won't. Structure inspired by God, can help build community. But only inspired by God. We started, I think I might have mentioned it last time around, we started doing a lunch thing together. I don't think it's the be-all and end-all, and I don't think it's anything particularly new. I remember doing what we used to call hunger lunch at Blisworth Baptist Chapel, which sounded like a, a poisonous name for anything. As far as I can hunger lunch. I'd rather eat and be full. But we, we, the idea was... <laughs> the idea was that you, instead of having your Sunday roast, and I love Sunday roast. Anybody else like Sunday roast? Roast chicken. We used to have roast chicken when I was a kid, and it was fantastic. I love my Sunday roast. Well, we had to forego Sunday roast in order to have soup and bread w- with some other folks from the church and then put the money to tear fund. I, was, I tell you, it was demonic. Didn't believe in it at all. No, <laughs> no. it was wonderful. I'm just joking, okay? We better take that off the recording. Um, (laughs) See, so it's nothing new, but sometimes in a moment and at a particular given time, that's the right thing to be doing. That's all it is. It's the right thing to be doing because God is building something and he's doing something, and I'm I'm loving it. I'm really enjoying it. So we had one uh, last week, and uh, (laughs) I was trying to preach... And we keep all the kids in for this as well. 
Um, and so I'm trying to keep it short, which I, you know me, it's difficult. And uh, I'm trying to engage the kids. And I had kids, literally, I nearly fell over at least half a dozen times because there were kids around my ankles. And I kept wanting to wander about and try not to step on them. But there was something wonderful just about, again, being family together. And in whatever ways you find or, or are inspired by God to enter into on that journey, do it. I think one of the things that I would say about this, therefore, is take a personal responsibility for getting after God um, in terms of what it looks like to love on other people around you. Start in the church with that. There's a, <clears throat> there's a scripture here. I, I, I just It was floating about in my mind when I was thinking about this sermon because there are two things which I want to touch on today. Uh, in continuing to spur you on, shall I say. Uh, Hebrews 10, um, 23, 25. There's um, the context of this. If you know the letter to the, to the Hebrews, it's really a letter that sets out to Jewish people how Christ uh, is the Messiah. He is the anointed one. He's the high priest, okay? And it sets out as well the, 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 if like the fullness of what he accomplished, both in life and in death and in his resurrection. And so it says that uh, we can enter into, so the bit just before about what I'm about to read, it's about how we enter into the holy of holies. And, uh, you know, we... We have this, this high priest over us, and we can enter in with boldness. So there's a connection with God, uh, a deep spiritual connection, okay? And then we just get these, uh, these uh, words, verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider, now catch this, let us consider... So. Being in a place where we have this amazing living relationship with God, okay? You're with me on that one. We have an amazing living relationship with God. He says, let us consider one another. See, because I said this last time, I'm going to say it again. If we love God, we're going to come to another scripture in a minute that emphasizes this as well. If we love God, then the outworking of that is love for one another. And so he says here, as a result of this connection with God, let us consider one another. I don't know this week whether you've thought about anybody else uh, in church life. You probably have. You've probably prayed for people this week. You've probably, you know of situations and things that are going on where you've thought, I need to be prayerful about this this week. I need to, I need to remember so-and-so, they're going in for an operation. Or I need to... Why? Because we consider one another. But he also then goes on and says this. We consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Okay? And it's these two, these are two fundamental keys. Hear this. These are two absolutely foundational keys to Christian living. 
to, to living wholeheartedly for God. And if we would uh, see a church built, if we would see a, co- a community of believers that, 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 that expresses something of God's great glory and grace, okay, a, a real living church, then we would stir one another up to love and good works. We would stir each other up. We would say, come on. Come on. When I was looking at the picture earlier, one of the things I didn't share about it, this picture of the, with the scaffolding, um, and um, I just kind of didn't, it just didn't seem to be right to share it at that moment, but I could see people with hard hats, and the phrase I have in my mind is, roll your sleeves up and get stuck in. Okay? Because you're either going to be part of the remodeling work that God is doing, or you're just going to be an observer. And, and I, I want to stir you up to love and good works. Because to me, that sounds like roll your sleeves up and get stuck in. <laughs> okay? That's what it is. Okay. Some of you aren't sure. But Alison is, so that's okay. All right. Um, let's, let's turn over into 1 John. And uh, we'll have a look in chapter 4. I've spent quite a bit of time in John, in in the letters of John, over the last little while. I keep going back to them. I just, I'm I'm finding a richness in them. John, you know, what's so important to us is that we don't disconnect. um, You know, it's too easy to do this in Scripture. It's to disconnect... um, these words from the reality of who's writing them. I think it's important to hold in the forefront of our minds that John was with Jesus for three and a half years, saw him on the Mount of Transfiguration, watched him do miracles, watched him walk on water and feed 5,000 people. Okay? I mean, he, he saw incredible things. And then we read this, okay? So it is so vital we hold that in our minds because that adds weight to the words. He's talking about something that he is so intimately acquainted with. Okay? So in 1 John, everybody found 1 John? Oh, excellent. Good Bible scholars you are. 1 John, and uh, we'll read from verse 7. Okay? It says this, Beloved. Now, I love that word, Okay? Because it tells you something about who you are. Doesn't it? Beloved. You may not have thought of yourself. You may have come in here today and not thought of yourself as beloved. It just simply means God loves you. Be loved. You are being loved. Okay? You are beloved of God. All right? It says in Scripture that before the foundations of the world were created, he already knew who you were, and he intended to bring you into his kingdom. He wants to save you. He wants to rescue you. And he wants to love on you. Okay? Just, that's just one word. Anyway, we'll carry on with the others. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. 
Now, these statements are absolutely, you know, they are categorical. They are, you know, black and white as you want to get. He basically is saying that, look, love for one another is evidence of truly loving God. Someone who does not love cannot, does not know God. Full stop. Uh, you know, this is why, you know, we, when we talk about being born again, one of the things is that, that love, if you're truly born again, then genuine love is going to be in evidence in your life. It's, it's, it's just going to be there. It's a fruit. It is absolutely, you cannot have one without the other. And one of the reasons for that is because when you're born... You naturally, through genetics and physics, take on the likeness of your parents. You will be in their likeness. You will have physical traits, okay? Same color hair or same color eyes or something. There will be things that give it away that you go, oh, yes, this person belongs to this one. You can tell. We have the worth family resemblance, and uh, it's often, you know, kind of been... Noted, when, you, when I get together with my sisters, people go, oh yeah, I really see his likeness in you. Obviously, I'm far prettier than they are, but that's... <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> we take on the traits uh, of... And, and it's not just appearance, is it? We pick up you know, mannerisms, we pick up attitudes, we pick up ways of thinking... That's why I've been such a mess. I've had such a lot to sort out. No, I'm just joking. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I was very. I, I, yeah, and I thank God every day. Uh, <laughs> I needed a bit more sincerity in that tonight. I really do. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. Um, but we pick up all kinds of things from our parents. See, now, we are being recreated. We are reborn in God's image. Okay? We are being recreated. We were originally created in his image. But when we are reborn, it is that he begins a work in us so that, that actually we uh, take on the family likeness. Yeah, we take on the characteristics. We take, and the essence of who God is, is love. And so the essence of who we are becoming Please don't criticize because it's a work in progress. But the essence of who we are becoming, of who you are becoming, is someone made in the likeness of God himself that there is love. And not just, you know, we are talking about uh, a a love of of the highest order. (laughs) We're talking about a divine love. We're talking about a love that does not shy away from, uh, you know, uh, facing up to our own personal responsibilities, dealing with one another. It's not a mushy love. It's not a love that just sort of is all nice, okay? It's a love that cares so much it's not prepared to just let things go. You know, one of the things I found in pastoring is that all of a sudden I can't let things go because I'm not allowed to. Now, I find sometimes God just says to me, you know, you've got to deal with that. 
you need to have that conversation. You need, and because God says, no, love, you've got to love in this as well. You know, what I found so helpful is uh, prayer and fasting. I discovered it in a whole new way when I started leading church. Because the, see, when you're trying to resolve things with people, I don't know about you, but my human nature, I'm impatient, uh, I get easily frustrated uh, with people and situations. And, you know, so sometimes things annoy me, okay? Sometimes people annoy me. God forbid, it's shocking. But this is what happens. How we go about resolving genuine problems in church life and, 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 and dealing with issues w- with one another. It's like in a good marriage. If you have a good marriage, you've learned how to communicate your hurt and your frustration. You've learned how to forgive one another. You see, because even in forgiveness, you know, we can, we can forgive, but actually we've also got to get beyond that to the place of how can we change? Because <laughs> otherwise we forgive and then we'll be forgiven again next week because the same thing has reoccurred. God, see, we, we are here for one another to help one another grow and change. There has to be a level of honesty that comes through relationship that enables us to address our deepest fears, emotions, and problems. Okay? You'll look overjoyed by that. Excellent. Good. See, God is so wise in this because only only through the vehicle of church life can this be properly worked out. It cannot be done any other way. Okay. Uh, He goes on in here um, also to talk about how God demonstrated his love. I'll just read you those verses quickly and then we'll move on. So he says... um, In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. That means, basically, he took on the full wrath of God on himself for our behalf, okay, on our behalf. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Now, just complete those verses because our inspiration is God himself. We look to the cross and we look to the sacrificial nature of Jesus' life and death, and it's an inspiration to us about how we need to love one another. Okay, Ephesians 4. Just some more practical things um, on the love of God. You, You know, there's scriptures full of the message of how we love on one another. These are just a few qualities in here. Paul's writing uh, to the church in Ephesus. And actually in chapter 3, just the tail end of chapter 3 of uh, Ephesians, he writes this amazing prayer to the church. He says, I, you know, uh, I kneel before the Father who is in heaven. And then he prays for them. And, and a lot of what actually the essence, if you like, of what he's praying is, I pray that you would get filled with the love of God. 
I just pray that it would flow out of every pore of your being. I just pray that it would be a, a revelation, that you would know it in your head and in your heart, that it would become a living revelation for you. Now, I think God set us up this morning because I believe that's part of what he was starting to minister to us this morning with the whole journey into the Father heart of God and reminding us it is the love of God and we need to continue in that journey into the love of God and let his love be the inspiration and the very source of our lives. And he comes on into, Paul then comes on into Ephesians 4 and he says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Walking speaks of your day-to-day Christian living. And he says, I'm beseeching you, I'm urging you, with all strength, to walk worthy. God has paid an incredible price for you, now walk worthy. It's like a kind of a, a rallying call. Walk worthy. And then he says this, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And I'm going to sort of pause it there. I won't give you any more of it, but you can carry on reading. There's a whole thing about oneness that follows after that, which is great. But these, uh, just these aspects of what he talks about here, he says lowliness. To be uh, lowly is not just to be sort of some sort of doormat. It doesn't mean that. It means to have a, a, a way of thinking in your mind that esteems God so greatly that, that we recognize our own position before him as being, in, in one sense, it, it does away with all kinds of arrogance, uh, you know, selfish ambition, uh, pride, Loneliness is the opposite of that. It is to recognize that before God, I, 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 it is only his grace that saves me. And that there was nothing good in me. But now, because of his great grace, and filled with this love, loneliness also says, I am now a son of the living God. So loneliness has a high view, in one sense, of personhood in the right way. Established before God. So it's not just a doormat. But it is that we, therefore, when we look at others, we can exercise great grace. Because we, and, and we're not trying to, uh, you know, if we, if, if we had the, uh, unse- you know, if we were selfish in some way, or that how that impinges on those relationships. When we are lowly in mind, it, it facilitates these uh, relationships. And he says about gentleness, he says that we are also uh, gentle in nature, even-tempered, handling our emotions well. And, uh, you know, again, that we're not liable to just fly off the handle or, you know, lose control. Gentleness is to be able to be considered and measured in our response to things. And even when we're hurt sometimes, it's like, I need to step back and I need to stop and think before I react out of my emotions. I I, I need to just, hang on a second, let's just pray about it, let's just get that sorted. So that I don't respond out of my my own hurt and emotion, but actually I start to get the love of God into this and see about how I go about talking to someone. Long-suffering, patient, able to endure, not giving up. These are qualities that Paul is calling us to. 
Okay. All of that is the context of love, bearing with one another in love. I, I think that is, so he's saying, look, in all these ways, you bear with one another in love. The thing about it is that love endeavors to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace, as he then uh, closes that sentence with. Unity is one of these things, again, where you can go out on two extremes. You can go out on the sort of, unity is all about just heart. It's all about sort of kind of, Loving one another regardless of what someone is like or what they think. Okay, which I don't think it is. True unity is that actually there's a coming together uh, whereby we start to be of one heart and one mind. And it's too, so we can make it all a, a, a mind thing that it's like, well, unless you believe exactly the same as I do theologically, then you're a heretic and there's no unity. Right? So we can split hairs over theology. On the other hand, we can make it all about heart and say, well, as long as you're with me in heart, it's okay. Actually, those two things have to somehow come together. That you have to, there has to be a measure of agreeing and understanding. Okay? But there also has to be a heart in it. <laughs> there also has to be love in it and grace in it. Okay? So, it's, so there's an endeavoring to maintain unity by having this lowliness and gentleness and this long-suffering. Okay? As we love one another in this fashion, we help build and maintain unity. We endeavor to keep it. I think it's something that's dear to God's heart. I believe God is always uh, greatly saddened by division in the church. God is always greatly saddened where brothers and sisters fall out. And his heart is that that needs to be put right. We have a duty of care and responsibility towards one another to resolve issues. It is so important for us. We cannot, you know, just uh, uh, run around, hurt one another, and just... Uh, allow things to divide us and make no efforts and attempt to resolve issues. It's so vital that we do. Okay, we're going to finish up with just with a, a quick uh, thing about workmanship, uh, about good works. Uh, I think, in a way, love already touches on that, if you like. But Paul also writes, actually, just a a, a chapter or so before uh, in Ephesians 2. One of my favorite verses of Scripture is this. Um, Ephesians 2, verse 10. For you uh, are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We have, um, sometimes through emphasizing grace... We've minimized works in the wrong way. Because we say, well, we can't get to God through works. So works are irrelevant. Well, actually, they're not. (laughs) And if we teach grace properly, and if we understand grace properly, what grace does is grace enables us to walk in works in a way which was, was absolutely impossible before we received the grace of God. Okay? 
So, so we don't discount works. But what we need to understand is that there are works and there are works. Okay? <laughs> that was helpful, wasn't it? That was a real word of wisdom. Oh, thank you, Paul, for that. This is what the Bible actually refers to as dead works, as opposed to this one, which is good works. And dead works can essentially look exactly the same as good works. They can look exactly the same. And the difference is simply one is done in the flesh and the other is done under the anointing and grace of the Holy Spirit. I can read my Bible as a dead work or I can read it alive in the Spirit of God and the two are poles apart. I can pray in the flesh and beat myself and it is to no avail, it is a dead work, but then I can pray and and God anoints my praying and answers my prayers and my prayers are effective and powerful. What Scripture says is repent of dead works. It is a foundation of Christianity that you have to recognize that in and of yourself you can do no good thing. And we have to repent of trying even. We, we, there are different categories of dead works. There's the kind of religious dead works where we are trying to curry favor with God. There is dead works that is, looks like rebellion, which is just simply I'm, living my, I'm doing it my own way and stuff God. Okay, That's just hu- human dead works, if you like. Or you could be maybe a slightly better human being than that, trying to live a good life. Okay, Following the crowd is still a dead work. It's all dead works, and we repent, and we say, I was doing it wrong. Whether it was a religious effort, whether it was my own rebellion, whatever I was into, or whether I was trying to be a good person, but failed, that it's all dead works, and I repent. I turn away from those. I say, my self-effort is no good. What I need is, is to come to God and be born again, to have this experience of where the love of God becomes the love of my life. From that place, I can start to do good works. The great thing about this scripture is, uh, well, there's lots of great things about this scripture. Let's just take, um, take them one at a time. We are his workmanship. Uh, we, God never created a duff thing in his life. And this workmanship that he refers to here is it's like he's like an artisan. He is like a master craftsman. We are his workmanship. God is wanting to create in you something wonderful and glorious. Don't be too down on yourself and certainly don't be down on other people. Don't criticize what God is doing, okay? We're his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. Those good works can be all manner of things. We're called to heal the sick. We're called to uh, set captives free. We are, there are many things that we're called to do. And for, for each one of us in our lives, there's different aspects of things that God would have us do. The way he wants us to live, Okay. Uh, it can look like a spiritual gift. It can look like a kind act. It can be uh, listening to someone who needs uh, to be listened to. All ma- good works is just living your life, but living it for God and being open to all the things that he wants you to do. And the great thing is here is what he says is that he has prepared them beforehand that we should walk in them. Okay. I'm going to finish here. 
let's um, stand together. Let me pray for you and remind you of these two things uh, that we started with in Hebrews about stirring us up to love and good works. That's the challenge that lays before us. We need to allow God to inspire us to love and good works. We, we, need, to, we need to ask God to fill us up and to, uh, you know, to give us creativity and imagination. You know, sometimes I sit there and I, I think to myself, how can I creatively bless that person today? What can I do? Because that is, that is uh, stirring up that good work, that love and good works. It's that I'm actively, creatively thinking about ways in which I can love on people and I can do something that will bless them. Amen? That's what we need to be doing. Let's pray. Father, it's, uh, it's a privilege to serve you. God, it is not um, the easy option. But Father, we face the challenge, as every generation actually faces the challenge, of living out our faith, of, it, of attempting to do uh, stuff for God. We're trying to live it. Lord, I pray for more grace for us to live as you want us to live. I, I, I pray, Lord, this journey that you've got us on into the Father heart of God, into you, the, the depths of your love, God, that you would, you would draw us on in that relationship. And from there, God, you would create in us, Lord, a heart that wants, that longs to live to serve you, that longs to love as you love, and that longs to do good, just that Jesus, you see, he went around doing good and healing all who oppressed the devil. It's what we're called to do. God, may we be in the likeness of Jesus, Lord, seeking to do good to one another. Father, give us a deep love for one another in the body of Christ, and may we take it out to the world out there. Amen. 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 Bless you guys. That was good. Thank you.